0: We're talking travel with Sally Lucas, joining me, Jane Klein, and Sally's taking us to Harvey Bay. Why do you think we're going there? We're also looking at the top attractions in Asia and a rather interesting music tour of America. And Sally, we're heading up to a rather nice, warm and very interesting place first off.
1: We are, Jane, which is Harvey Bay, Fraser Island area of Australia, which is quite delightful. And of course, it's all in the news at the moment. We saw the killer whales it was unusual for them to come in, of course, into that Yes. Uh, area of Hardy, it was And, um, you yeah, know, they did lose a couple But at least eventually they saved the rest And they were taken out And having been up there And done a cruise in the whale watching season It is something to behold And more whales come there Than anywhere else in the world and for their carving and socialisation and so on. And they mightn't always all travel together all the way. But once they get to Harvey Bay, it's like it's their little party time. or their, And then they, they continue on their merry way and, you know, they might separate again. But it's, it's just a fabulous place. And, of course, we are so lucky to have Fraser Island. And that's been in the news with the dingoes again, of course. But, hey, you know, they should be protected. I'm sorry, I... That 's my little say on that
0: they are supposed to be the purest lot of dingoes around, yes, actually.
1: yes, and that would be a shame to lose them it would absolutely, mm. and I mean you, everyone knows i mean you 're not going to go and rush up to a dingo you know if it 's a wild dingo, I mean even though they can be brought up to be you know quite nice nice pets, but they 're not they they are. Wild. In the wild, like anything in the wild is. But Fraser Island um, is the world's largest sand island and it's 122 Ks long and it varies between 5 and 25 Ks in width. Um, it's got 400,000 acres, which are home to eight distinct ecosystems. So it's quite unique in that regard as well. And the other thing it's got, of course, are these beautiful lakes, um, which are above sea level. So you've got lakes on a sand island above sea level, which is, again, a remarkable thing. So you do have lovely forests there and dunes and all sorts of things but Lake Mackenzie is just absolutely beautiful and you get these wonderful shapes of the sand dunes you know when the wind picks up and you get all these lovely ripples and oh dear oh dear it's a really lovely if you haven't been there honestly um you can go over there on a tour but if you've got your own four-wheel drive it's a nice thing to do to go up go across on the ferry and um do some of the rides drives rather along the beach and through the forest tracks and so on
0: or even walk around it
1: well you can at that and apparently the indigenous people there, um, called the place originally Kagari, which, uh, start again, which roughly translates as paradise. So there you go. What a lovely place and what a nice, nice uh, way to describe it as well. Very nice. So moving along to something totally different. <laughs> Um, Thailand, and apparently it's reaped a pretty rich harvest in uh, in the top parts of uh, in Asia now of Traveller's Choice Awards for 2013, and um, nine of their diverse range of tourism spots, products, and attractions have been included on the list of TripAdvisor's top 25 landmarks in Asia. So that's quite something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it range from sort of you know long-standing and well-known places such as the Temple of the Reclining Buddha, which is a massive. Reclining Buddha, I must say, that you can see just out of Bangkok. The Temple of Dawn Hellfire Pass Museum in Kanchanaburi, which, which that is an amazing museum too, and it does require a fair bit of time to go through, and that's funded by Australia too, and it, it's quite lovely as well. But you've got lots of lovely attractions in um, Thailand, of course, as we all know, and not just in and around Bangkok. You know, we can go down to up to Chiang Mai or you can go down to the islands or it is very diverse. It's got beautiful golf courses. People mightn't even realise your water attractions you've got um, on the islands down south. You can do wonderful rock climbing as well down at Krabi. They do incredible quite steep, rocky cliffs. I mean, the kayaking, and the, you know, is wonderful. They've got grottos and caves. You've got limestone casts down the sea, um, the Andaman Sea, where it faces. Um, so, yeah, Thailand is very diverse. And once you get up into the Chiang Mai area, of course, you've got wonderful, and Chiang you can go and see the Hill Tribe people, um, see elephants at work in the teak forests and wonderful night markets and so on. So I think it's deserving that it's won quite a lot of these awards. And, and the people are friendly It's good rate of exchange. It's reasonable when you get there as far as shopping, food, drinks, etc. and um, Yeah, I mean, Bangkok's pretty busy and bustly, but, I mean, once you get out of that, but you've got to just experience that, I think. But since they've put in their... their um raised rail system around the city. It's much easier now. They're to get around, of course. You're not just in the traffic like you used to be. So Thailand, a nice destination, and I say congratulations for having won
0: some of those awards. And we are talking travel, Sally Lucas and I, for our sponsor, Travel World On King. Sally, what an interesting-sounding tour you're telling us about now. It's in the United States.
1: Yes, and it does sound fascinating for anyone that is really loves their music. And this is a tour being taken by Glen A. Baker, Now, he's been described by Rolling Stone magazine as not just Australia's top pop scholar, but a world-class rock journalist who writes with the enthusiasm of a true fan. And Phil Collins said he's the most thorough and knowledgeable music journalist in the world today.
0: I don't think there's anything he doesn't know.
1: No, I'm sure there's not. I mean, he's a three-time winner of the BBC's Rock Brain of the Universe title as well. And he's written books and done all sorts of things and mentored people. And so his knowledge of music, I mean, if you were really into your music, it would be just a fascinating tour to do. Now, this is going in April next year. It departs on the 10th through to the 29th. Um, You can extend if you wish. And you're starting off in San Francisco, going to Chicago, Cleveland, New York, Nashville, of course, Memphis. I think, of course, those two would have to be on there. Um, And then you're going on to uh, you're going to Clarksdale. Oh, amazing. Clarksdale I always remember that. And you're going to a place where they have the Delta Blues Museum, the Rock Blues Heritage Museum. It just sounds wonderful. Um, Natchez, of course, which is famous historic area there of the on the um of the Mississippi area, uh, down to Lafayette and New Orleans and then home, but Lord, you can't that's stand. That's
0: New Orleans for the rest of us. <laughs> for the rest of
1: us, yes. But you, there's 10 things like a radio broadcast in Chicago and visit studios and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Um, you go to iconic music heritage locations in San Francisco and New York. Nashville, you do the Music Hall of Fame, of course. Um, and then you go to a private, they call it Cash on Cash performance. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Um, the Rockabilly Museum in Jackson, Tennessee, Memphis, of course, Elvis' Graceland home there and other museums. Um, as I said, Clarksdale, the Delta Blues Museum, um, the BB B. King Museum um in the mississippi area you do a plantation tour of natchez um a cajun house party um you do a cajun swamp cruise a gator farm visit uh, city sightseeing steamboat dinner jazz cruise etc so yeah isn't that interesting i think anyone who's into their music could have an absolute ball doing that so if you're yeah, thinking of something interesting and different to do consider doing that in april next year
0: Hmm. excellent
1: Another thing I thought I'd mention, Jane, I couldn't believe it, but it's 20 years this year since uh, we started doing flights over the Antarctic.
0: 20 years. That does seem a long time.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it just doesn't seem that long ago to me. So it's the 20th anniversary um, of the alliance with Qantas and a firm in Melbourne called Croydon Travel Put this suggestion together those many years ago, of course, and it's proved to be very successful. And they've conveyed more than 32,000 passengers over the Antarctic so far. Now, a lot of people cannot always afford to be lucky enough like I was to to go to the Antarctic and visit it, you know, for an extended period of time. But if you just want to see it at least, this is still something lovely that you could do. And there's different prices for different seats, depending on whether, you know, they do have business class and economy and you've still got your window seats and so on. Some of them, though, they do a a change around so that everyone gets to see. And of course, you're getting champagne and everything on board. And it's, you know, it's just a really fantastic thing to do. The Qantas Pilots actually, um, survey, satellite, survey, I'll start that again, satellite photos the day before each flight, and they have up to 16 routes that they can choose, and they'll choose the best one, obviously dependent on, you and know, what conditions. You, and the conditions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's just fantastic. and it's,
0: it's quite a long trip,
1: isn't it? It is a long trip, because you've got to remember the size of Antarctic as well, and I mean, as we all know, it's the, the windiest and the coldest and the everything, driest continent on Earth, but it would be just a magnificent sight from the air. To be able to see that, so they do have these departures. It's always around the December, January time of the year is when they do this because that's in the summer. Of course, you wouldn't be going down there in the and of course it'd
0: be almost twenty four hour light down there. That's right, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: so it, it is quite fabulous. But if it's something that you might just have on your to-do list, you know, that'd be something nice to do, and I'm sure they'll be spoiling people because it's the 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you'll be getting a few little extras as well. Um, Hurtigriton, which we have talked about a number of times, Jane, but they're now introducing just something extra into some of their voyages. Uh, whale watching, seems we've been talking whales today. Um, so what they're doing now, they're doing uh, some extra excursions where they can actually, when the whales are around at yep. that particular time, that they are there, they're doing these extra voyages so for you to follow the whales. Now, this is mainly between um, 1 June to 31 July, um, so you can do a, a seven day classic on that. And yes, yeah, so that's that's great. And they do this extra uh, ferry journey um, off away from the vessel. Uh, actually, to get to where the whales are, mm. as a separate side trip. So, so
0: that's in the Norwegian uh, summer. Of yes, course.
1: so yeah. that's an added extra there. And one other little thing, Jane, just to give all travel agents a plug, it just came across our desk. That was a um, a Roy Morgan holiday tracking survey. Has just looked at using a travel agent works out cheaper. Research shows. Australian domestic travellers who use the internet to help decide on a holiday destination end up spending almost 25% more while away than those who depend solely on other information, such as travel agents, to do their research. So often you can come up with a package price or you're booking something on the net, then you get there and you find it's plus tax, plus room tax, plus service tax, plus bed tax, whatever. But there you go. So... Travel agents are still good people to deal with.
0: Well, thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be talking travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2 RFM.